I think community also teaches me how to hold on to love and how to expand my definition of love. Hey, Dustin. Just kidding, because he's not here today. Ah, 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 ah. Hi, everyone. It's Crystal. <laughs> uh, what's up, me searchers? You're listening to the Me Search podcast. Um, I am sans Dustin today. Um, he is starting a new chapter of uh, life, which is very exciting. So um, he is unavailable at the moms, but we are here and we're going to continue on having a critical, messy, and fun conversation with each other, as in all of us here listening. <laughs> and with friends and with leaders in the community. This is this is a funny intro uh, when it's just me, guys. Um, and together, we'll unpack important issues, learn and unlearn what we think we know about what it means to be Filipino. And today, we are talking to social worker, activist, and author Gabby Aquino Adriatico. And with Gabby's writings, we gain a deeper understanding of her commitment to creating safer spaces, fostering inclusivity, and advocating for positive change. Her work serves as a beacon of hope for those who believe in the power of education, activism, and community. And we're going to explore her works, Death by a Broken Heart, and Salamat Houston, which are featured in the Quento book, an anthology of Filipino stories and poems. Welcome, Gabby! Ooh, I love <laughs> that intro. Thank you, Crystal. Thank oh you my gosh. for having me here today. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. I've been looking forward to this since we talked about it when we were at the book launch. And um, I'm glad that you're here. Um, and I'm so excited to talk about these works because I was telling Gabby when I met her in person, her works really moved me and my husband. <laughs> like we were so touched by your writing and um, I'm just so excited that we get to share and talk about your work with everyone here at Me Search. Oh, thank you, Crystal. And I was very excited to meet y'all too and put a name, I mean, a face to the name when I was reading the Cuento book and just like connecting on that human level of yeah, just like shared experiences, but also nuances in the diaspora was, oh my gosh, we could go on for days. I'm glad this we made this happen and I'm so thankful that you even reached out afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So um, before we get into that, did you want to talk more about that? Like I just, I just love being in community with folks. Um, and with you and getting to meet folks and just learning about our experiences and how they are so much shared and how they are also very nuanced based on like, you know, our own families and whatnot. So yeah, maybe like some background um, of how we met, you know, our connection story yeah. of even though like we, Crystal and I, were drawn together by Dr. Pinky, who edited the Cuento. Yeah, shout out to Dr. Pinky, um, <laughs> who like really put together this Cuento book. Uh, but being in community, so we had a book launch in LA uh, over the summer, and 
you know, just stepping into that space, I feel like all the hair on my arms, like, <gasps> kind of went up, you know, right? just being, yeah, it was such a powerful space. What do you think? Yes, I felt that too. I was like, I feel Larry Itliong's spirit i feel like the spirit of the community and like how much it probably took to like create that space because oh. i mean it just i feel like there are you know a number of spaces for filipinos um especially addressing any needs that they might have so to know that there are spaces that like community organizers have created like our um pastitos and titas and grandpas and grandmas like everybody like just whatever all the things that they had to do to create a, a space like the larry itleong space and like to be in it and to feel to feel what the love that lives there was just really cool and to like have the event there and to hear the stories and to hear dr pinky's family's stories that was amazing i 1000 percent agree it was such a beautiful and powerful space where we've heard from folks from all different generations <gasps> yes and like different starting points that landed you know um here in socal for the book launch it was just like whoa like <laughs> like uh it didn't really need coffee that day because you just get the energy from hearing all the from hearing all of their cuentos. Yes, yes. And so yeah. on that note, let's get into your cuentos. Your cuentos that put me and Michael into tears. <laughs> it's just really beautiful. So um, let's begin by talking about um, your two pieces, Death by a Broken Heart and Salamat Houston. Can you tell us what these two pieces are about before we hear some samples <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah these two pieces were really um writings of love of and it was kind of like a way for me to process and let um put on paper what was taking space in my heart and in my mind uh death by a broken heart i actually wrote that the beginning of the COVID 19 pandemic so like march 2020 and this was after hearing the news of like one of my Lolos and Lolas who were based in New York passed away due to COVID-19. Um, and there was just so much grief in that season. Um, but I think it was also like compounded grief. So I was already mourning going into that season. My um, Lolo daddy had just passed away. My, my mom's dad um, who lives in the Philippines, we just like celebrated his life and then we go and then I moved to a different state with my partner so that was a change of scenery um and then leading going into the pandemic so I'm living in Texas at the beginning of a pandemic and there was just so much unknown um and you were coming from California California yes. yeah mm -hmm. sorry thanks for no, clarifying you're good. yeah you're good. yeah so I moved relocated resettled from California to Houston Texas with my partner for a job, potential like career change. Um, and the pandemic happened. Uh, my partner lost his job. Oh my God. Uh, we were grieving. My Lolo daddy just passed away and there's just so much um, unknown. And then in the first 30 days of the pandemic, 
more relatives were passing away due to COVID. And so um, Death by a Broken Heart, what it what it's about is really like how to navigate grief and loss um, and all these heavy emotions and really what will help drive the healing process or whatever healing looks like at that moment. And for me, it was writing um, and coming to terms that this this is just a season. This isn't forever and having that hope. Um, and what carries me from season to season is love um, that can't be really taken away from by all the isms of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, colonialism, capitalism that create all these systemic inequities um, that try to take away our hearts, try to take away our love. Um, even though my grandparents are physically not here, it's wild that you can still feel their love, you know, it like surpasses time and generations. Um, and so that's what it was about. And then Salama Houston, interestingly enough, was what we wrote, what I wrote um, like a few years later, actually into the pandemic. And this was when my partner and I were contemplating a moving back to California to be closer to family. Uh, And, and so just recognizing that uh, journey from moving to Texas filled with grief and experiencing all of that and kind of finding resolution in a sense of like thinking Texas um, and Houston um, and I recognize like the indigenous peoples that were, yes. you know, um, moved, force, forcibly removed from their, their places and then how I got to benefit from it. So like that settler colonial tension, right? Um, and so f- kind of unpacking all of that and saying thank you to the land that allowed me to stay there. Thank you to the people and to the community. Um and even though this the my season in Texas was filled with grief, it was also filled with lots of lessons that I hoped that I've carried on here to California. Wow. Yeah. I am going to read a piece from Death by a Broken Heart first. Okay. And here's like a little snippet, appetizer. The book is also on sale online, quantico.com, if anyone is interested. Um, But here we go. Lola was diagnosed with COVID-19 on March 31st, and a few hours later, she passed away. The doctor called Lola with the heartbreaking news. He was devastated. Next thing you know, he was informed that his mahal, The love of his life had to be cremated immediately due to New York having no space with so many people dying from COVID-19. He never got to see her after he took her to the hospital. He never got to say goodbye. He never got to hug her again. He did not get the choice of how to bury her. He was heartbroken. Gosh. I can't believe that we as a globe, as a world, (laughs) um, went through this Mm. devastation and to hear your personal story and your Lola and Lola's personal story of like not being able, uh, I think this is where you got us, (laughs) you know, um, just Mm. not being able to say 
goodbye properly or getting to like physically have that moment must have been just so hard for your family and for your Lolo. Yeah, and I think like that is one story or one like just the beginning of loss during the pandemic, you know, and so many people have died from COVID-19 that also didn't get the option or choice to say goodbye it was like a lot was moving it was moving fast but slow at the same time if that makes sense and yeah and not having that closure I feel just like in my family's group chats on Facebook messenger when folks were like sending their prayers and condolences we were all trying to figure out like how do we help from here where do we go from here how do we show our support to one another if we physically can't be together um because in at least in my family's culture, you know, once someone passes away, we're all together for the next nine days, yeah. just giving food to one another, just physically being there. And so we also had to learn how to do a new way of grieving at this time. And, right. and then I just tie it back to like ongoing loss now that what we're seeing Sorry if I'm going there, but no, I'm not please, sorry at the same it. time. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Speak on it, girl. <laughs> like, yes, please. Like there are parents, there are children who don't get to say goodbye to their parents. And it's not just what's happening in Gaza or in Palestine, but it's also happening in other countries too with forced migration, um, with poverty robbing any opportunity, right? <laughs> or with... Yeah. Um, capitalism and globalization just taking away from different countries like the Philippines who you know can't have their own ec economic infrastructure to survive so they have to go abroad to find work and so like it's just a lot sorry <laughs> yeah no don't be sorry I think it's like I think it's so important to talk about how we grieve as communities and especially like even like within the Filipino community, what that could look like and how it also doesn't look like sometimes mm. and how I think even like just even going into like the mental health piece perhaps is like how like how did you all did you and, and you you can like say like I don't want to share this but like was there anything that helped you since you couldn't be there physically and I don't know if your family has challenging a challenging time talking, but like I know that like the families around me do, <laughs> you know. So was there like was there um, a new way of like just simply speaking to one another in like these moments of hardship? Mm, I love that question. I appreciate that question. I think one way my family adapted, who also um, has challenging time being explicit in their communication um you know typically if they ask if you're okay how they ask is have you eaten yet you know mm -hmm. that that's how yeah. typically they check in um and so during this time so being there physically with one another um our group family chat was very active most active it's ever been wow. um and it's not just our family in the states but also in the philippines who are affected right and so um we would do like group FaceTimes and just talk randomly talking about the day or uh, just like sharing random cuentos. But I think that's the way of checking in, even though they're not going to dig deep and say like, I'm really devastated or I'm really scared. Right. Um, and then 
I think one thing that my other Lola started doing that I look forward to, but also is like, okay, uh, this is a lot. Uh, was she kept forwarding me chain messages, like prayer chain messages. So spirituality is a big thing for her and how she coped during the pandemic. And I think that's her way of saying like, I'm thinking about you and I'm caring, like I care about you. So here, forward this to five people. To- <laughs> I freaking love it, Lola. <laughs> Have you seen those like chain messages online? Oh, like one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I I haven't been checking my messenger lately, but like one hundred percent got those before. <laughs> yeah, oh, but yeah, like I um I love how your your family. Uh, was able to come together uh, for and be with each other um, despite the the challenges of like um, physically being with one another and like finding those new ways to like communicate and and share uh, the support with one another and I'm like I'm sure your your um, I'm sure your Lola felt that you know like I'm sure he he felt all of that love um so thank you for sharing that story about your family and uh communication like communication is such a huge huge thing even like you know and like going back to the palestine um what's happening with our palestine relatives and like learning how to communicate in these moments where like we're trying to get their word out too is like i love that you brought that in and um how like that is somewhat connected in like how we process that grief globally again once again like we're trying to process Mm. grief globally and as a collective and trying to find these cuentos these honest stories about like what's happening and how we support one another it's like community Mm. is everything (laughs) Um, spot on crystal community is just, I think it's like one of the driving forces, right? For us to really mobilize. And I think community also teaches me how to hold on to love and how to expand Mm. my definition of love, um, with what's happening in Palestine. And like, I know in one of the episodes, y'all had some from PAC, uh, Rania. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I, I was so moved because what Rania said at the end was continue to uplift their stories because no one else is doing that, right? Like there's so many dominant narratives that really, you know, that keep people in power and power. That's the point of those dominant narratives. Mm-hmm. So when we up really truly uplift the voices of folks from the community and center in on their voices, it's like that's how we make the change, make the systemic change. It's because it's, I don't know, it's just centering the voices of the most affected, those who are oppressed. And how do we continue to do that? That's why I was so love that Dr. Pinky started the Cuento book because it highlights voices (laughs) like your voice and like other Crystal's voice. Oh, shout out to other Crystal. Um, Like just highlights like the not ordinary voices but voices from the community that aren't often heard from yeah and i think like 
coming back and circling back, like especially during the time of COVID, hearing voices from the Asian community and like we are not, you know, people of the world and of this country don't know how to differentiate. <laughs> like they kind of put us like in this homogenous Asian group when we're all like different Asians, right? And that's, yeah. But like, I think just for the whole entire Asian community, like we were targeted during the time of COVID and to like know that this story was written and um, you can come back to humanizing the experience of people, um, especially in that time, that era, uh, humanizing the stories of, of someone from the Asian community, I think is like so important because we were all losing people, you know, and like the added weight of being Asian, um, being Filipino with like our Filipino nurses out there on the front lines. It's like, there's so much context mm. there. And um, I am once again, grateful that your story exists and that you got to share your story about your Lolo and your Lola. So I'm babbling on, we're going on for very long with this interview. Cause I just love talking to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I'm sorry I'm like yeah tell me like like I just feel you know like even though we're screens apart like I just feel and sense the love and I think that's like one of the main messages I would share with folks is like love surpasses time mm. love surpasses all these systemic bs inequities that we're experiencing um and same with love like ancestral power community power surpasses that too um, and that's why we continue to like use our platforms to uplift other folks. Right. And so yes. um, uplift community to hear voices, um, to continue to humanize things, because that's that's what we need in this world more. It sounds like um, simple, but it's also complicated, like revolutionary yeah. love. Like we need more love um, so we can stay connected to our humanness. Yes. Yes. Speaking of love, let's talk about your love for Houston. <laughs> I love that transition. Oh, my God. Thank that was you. Good. <laughs> All right. So we're going to hear a little bit from Salamat Houston. Yeah. So yeah, this was written towards the end of my journey in Houston. And I'll read it in English and Tagalog, if that's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Houston, a new place for me, filled with growing pains and also opportunities. Live with uncertainty, but also assurance that this is exactly where I need it to be. Houston, a new place to be. You gave me some of my darkest days, but you also gave me strength, hope, and solitude. Where I was homesick and felt home all at the same time. Houston, the place I became a mommy where I experienced depleted exhaustion, but also ecstatic excitement to see my baby. Where I struggled to find time for anything, but would do anything for more time with my baby. 
Salamat Houston, pinigyan mo ako ng anak at aso. Pinigyan mo ako ng bagong kaibigan. Salamat Houston, ikaw ay isang mahirap na teacher. Tinuroan mo ako ng maraming lessons. Tinuroan mo ako paano magbigay ng mahal kung akala ko hindi ko na kaya. Tinuroan mo ako na okay lang kung hindi ko alam. Salamat Houston, tinulungan mo ako, minahal mo ako, at binigyan mo ako ng bagong buhay. Gabby, <laughs> you're fucking... <laughs> See, y'all, Gabby just made me cry again. <laughs> oh, Crystal. Oh, my God. Your writing is so beautiful. And then, like, also to hear the Tagalog is just, um, I, I guess it's just, and Tagalog isn't even, like, my my language. Like, my, my family's language is Ilocano. But, like, <laughs> like, to hear Tagalog uh coming from a filipina american writer hearing this beautiful love letter it's just i i don't know just anytime i hear tagalog it's just it just pulls at me you know because we're so like so assimilated into like not using our ancestral languages or well, i mean our language from the motherland um yeah that's I, i i just wanted to say that like i loved how you included tagalog and yeah it just it 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 moves like the first part of the the poem is already so powerful and then the second part when you start speaking in tagalog i'm just like ah oh so... <laughs> thank you and i think like I also, I don't know if it was obvious, but I was trying really hard to not crack my voice because I think that's what writing can do is like take you back to that time, right? And um, whew. when I hear Tagalog, because you don't hear it often anymore. It's not in media. And, I mean, thank goodness Netflix is adding some Tagalog movies. But, yes. you know, like uh, it just brings back memories. And outside of the memories, it brings back those feelings of like, at least for me, because um, my family spoke Tagalog, it brought back feelings of home, you know, like uh, being together. Um, and that's like what language can do, what writing can do, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I and 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 also, I think that when we, because of assimilation, when we think about like language it's confined to english you know and tagalog is still very much american so to hear this poem oh god <laughs> to hear this poem like uh to hear part of this poem in tagalog in that second half in tagalog is so american talking about your experience and how the 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 land the land um mm. what the land gave to you what the space gave to you as an american mm. um it's just so freaking powerful and i really appreciate this work and i love like i love hearing your heart through um every single word of this story of this poem 
So, uh. <laughs> well done for making me cry. <laughs> And for me, and and just like acknowledging, like just just all the different complexities of like being Filipino American. Is like there anything else like like um, you want to share about like this poem and like anything else that you want to dive deeper into specifically? I you know I love the 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 acknowledgement of land. I love the acknowledgement of like motherhood. Oh my god, Gabby's children are so cute, y'all. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Uh, they are very makulet, you know, but they, they keep my hands full. Thank you to Lolo and Lola watching them right now. Um, and I think one thing I would add is, right, like we're not like one identity human beings. And that's why I like to acknowledge land. Like I also acknowledge like I am a settler I was a settler in Houston coming from mm -hmm. California and there's that layer of com complexity in our relationship to land with that. Um, and then as I was becoming a mom during that period, it's like another role in my identity. And so it's like the more, I don't know, the older I get, the more I realize I wear more hats than what I have known. And there's a lot of parts of me that are unfolding, constantly unfolding. Um, and we can also get hung up on that. But if we forget, like, the place that gave to us, that raised us, and the people who also raised us, if we forget all of that, then I don't think, um, I think I would have missed the lesson, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. so that acknowledgement is so important because when I acknowledge, I recognize, like, it's not just me who got me to where I am today. It was the ancestors, the first peoples before me um, who paved the way, you know, and um, the activists before me, the organizers before me, the titas, the titos, lolos, lolas, inais, like the manangs, the manongs mm -hmm. that got us to where we are. And, and I think looking forward, it's like, and as a mom now, I'm like, how am I helping make that positive change for my children to grow up in um, and not just my children, but every, the next generation of leaders, you know, um, and, and, and it's, it's a lot to carry and I'm sorry if I'm unloading, but that's just oh, like no. constantly like what I'm thinking about of like, how do we create systemic change where all communities can thrive because it is possible. It was happening before you know, so how can we get back to that? <laughs> tell them, Gabby. <laughs> Free tell them. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I um your kids have a wonderful mom. I'm it's it's really awesome to know that like the future generation has someone in their ear like with this kind of with these values, you know. Have your kids like I know it's it's um, you know, larger larger than life language for the little ones <laughs> for not the not the not the new baby because I don't know if the new baby knows words yet <laughs> but your your eldest like ha has your eldest heard any of any of your uh, your poem and your story oh yeah so my eldest who's about to be he'll be two and a half oh, uh, in okay. February <laughs> yeah. um you know, when, when Dr. Pinky sent us a copy of the book or when, mm -hmm. when we got it, I had my eldest, like, open it 
and then I opened it to the pages and he saw his picture in it and he was like wow and he wasn't he doesn't speak that much yet he's like wow and then he'll be like mama dada and like and Bentley our dog (laughs) and so uh and I don't think it's fully sunk in that like he's part of the book uh his picture is in the book but I think you know that's what's going to hopefully be powerful is like his story matters too that's why I was very intentional in including a picture of um and because growing up I I, similar to your cuento in the book you know um did not really see ourselves in stories or in curriculum or yeah we're here from our people and so how can we start uplifting other cuentos and stories so future generation feel seen mm-hmm. and that they belong and that they matter you know and feel valued yeah thank you for sharing that moment um with us what a beautiful moment that your son opened up <laughs> i was definitely crying oh my gosh, I, I was crying I, it was either all the hormones or it was just like oh my gosh this, is- <laughs> this has been so lovely diving in so deep just all the depths of where we can go with uh how your two cuentos can inspire so many thoughts and ideas and feelings um to have this wonderful conversation with each other um is there a main message that you want to impart on our listeners before we go Mm. Yeah, I think I want to encourage all the researchers to continue to share your stories um, and uplift stories of those who we don't often hear from that are silenced by um, dominant society, um, like our Palestinian relatives, you know, uh, continue to share stories because I think when we share our stories, um, it provides like access for ancestral power and love mm-hmm. to come in uh, that surpasses all these barriers, surpasses time, surpasses all the inequities that, you know, capitalism, colonialism, U.S. imperialism have created. Um, and if we can, at the end of the day, if we still have breath, we still have got work uh, to share our stories. And so I just want to encourage you all to continue to share your stories. Your voice matters. Um, and together, all of our collective stories can create this positive change we hope to see. Thank you for no, sharing. Sorry, no. Was like, <laughs> no, that was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that is very empowering and important. And we are grateful for sharing your cuentos. Um, again, it moved me. And... Uh, your work and in the Quento and beyond, I know will help move mountains. And I'm so happy that we got to connect, reconnect back on research. <laughs> Me too. I'm so, I feel like it's been so long, but I'm, but it also doesn't feel like so long. It also feels like a reunion. <laughs> Like a family reunion. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for having me here. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you for for being here, Gabby. Me searchers, give it up for Gabby Aquino Adriatico. 
And thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to be a researcher and follow us at Mesearch Podcast as our handle. Usually Dustin says all this, so y'all. <laughs> and check us out online at mesearchpodcast.com. And as always, we're going to get to the bottom of things. Research, folks. Ha, 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 ha.